Center for the Study and Teaching of Writing at The Ohio State University, this is Writer's Talk. I'm Doug Dangler. A native Kentuckian, First Lady, Frances Strickland grew up on a dairy farm and earned a Ph.D. in educational psychology. She has authored both a screening test for kindergartners and a children's book, A Little Girl Who Grew Up to Be Governor, which we have. She has been a longtime supporter of the Ohio Anna Book Festival, appearing there frequently to support writers in Ohio. Welcome to Writer's Talk, Mrs. Thank Strickland. You. Well, tell me about yourself as a writer, since this is, after all, writer's talk. Uh, you've got a Ph.D. in educational psychology, so I'm certain you did a lot of writing and a lot of uh, interesting reading about uh, children as they learn how to read and write and adults. Well, the first, of course, big effort was the dissertation as a doctoral candidate. And I tell you, that was one of those things where you were just glad that it was over because somebody was pouring over every word you you wrote. But then after that, I got into the screening test for marketing purposes. I mean, I wanted to put it on the market. So then I ended up with working with the publishing company, and then they had a lot to say about what was in it and what wasn't in it. But the book that you showed up about the little girl who grew up to be governor came about as a result of marrying Ted and moving across the river from Kentucky here to Ohio. And I was thinking back about the things I was most proud of about Kentucky, which is what you do when you you move away. And the thing about Martha Lane Collins being the first and only woman governor so far in Kentucky, but back then she was only the third who had been elected in her own right. And I thought that was quite a quite a statement for a southern state like Ohio. So then I saw her once and asked her if anybody was doing a book about her life. And she said, no, not as far as she knew. And I thought that was too bad. And and I think that's what happens with writers. They'll want to, to see something that's written. And if it hasn't been written, then ultimately, if they want it bad enough, they end up having to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. So that was the first type of writing like that that I've ever done. What was the transition like? So you finish off a dissertation. And sadly, I'm also the possessor of a PhD. I've gone through the dissertation product project process where it's a, it's a lot like making sausages, I feel <laughs> like. Right. Uh, but so you go through that and you're, you're very much pushed to do one kind of writing. Right. And then you've got a different kind of writing, an entirely different kind of writing. This is a children's book. Was there a lot of um, difficulty with shifting gears like that? How long was there between the two before you started on this? Well, you're actually putting your finger on what I think is the most exciting thing about this Ohio book fair or festival because the thing that I needed is really what this festival provides. When I I was thinking about this kind of a book, I thought, I don't really have the knowledge about how to do that because it had all been professional writing, and this was going to be for the general public. So I went to a writer's conference, and while I was there, they talked about the importance of having a mentor. And so... We were just getting into fax machines and things like that, and I picked the guy that was presenting there to be my mentor, and I, he was in California, so I would pay him so much an hour, and I would fax my chapters to him, and then he would call me on the telephone, and, and uh, it was extremely important because his main question was, I don't get what you're trying to say. And I would say, well, I thought it was really clear. And he says, well, you know what you're trying to say. 
-hmm. But what's the point of this paragraph or that paragraph? Or why are you trying to tell the story? So far, they're just a bunch of stories strung together. I don't get the connection between them. And I would get upset with him, and I would walk away from the phone thinking that he, he didn't know what he was talking about, and I'd uh, be uh, fuming. And then after about a day of that, I would go back and sit down and reread it, and I'd see exactly what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. So when you go to something like this, and anybody that's interested in writing, when they come to this event, they will see writers, and they can ask the questions, and they'll give them hints. And it really is like a new adventure, but these are pioneers and people that have already gone over that road and they're very generous mm -hmm. and, uh, and understanding about the process you're going through. So I'm very excited for the people that are going to be going to this, especially because it's geared to all ages. They have mm -hmm. things for kids as well as for adults. Right. And I'm curious when you did something, when you've done this kind of writing or other kind of writings, do you take it to your husband? Do you take it to other people and say, tell me what you think about this, get your feedback? So you've got the paid person already doing it, but who else is on your uh, staff of look at my writing and tell me what you think? The thing that they kept stressing out there at this uh, training session was don't take it to your family members. Oh, really? Because... Okay. The way I got it, uh, this is my psych put my psychology hat on, is that the people that know you know you in some other context. They've never seen you as a writer, and they have this idea about what it takes to get published, and they just don't think that you know, you're going to be able to do it, and so they try to protect you and keep you from getting your hurt, feelings hurt or being let down. So they just don't get it, or they just think, you know, I don't know why you're doing that. So what they recommend is that you pick out people that you know like to read and like books. Librarians are top ones on the list or your English teachers. But somebody who loves it and is tickled to death that you're interested in it and they will be honest with you and they'll be gentle and uh, stick with you as long as you want to stick with it. But family members tend to worry about you getting your feelings hurt and so they try to ease you out of it when you really need the people to get behind Somebody you. To pushing you into it. Right. Yeah. Tell me about the, uh, since it's a story that works with pictures a lot and you've got a lot of pictures in here, did you get to talk to Pip Pullen, the illustrator, about it or is this one of these situations where they had your text and as a first-time author they would do with it what they wanted? How did that work for you? Well, they... Actually, uh, I work pretty closely with Pip since this is a uh, human being who who's a particular image to the people of Kentucky. So mm -hmm. they would want to be able to recognize the person that's in the pictures. And uh, one of the things now, if we were to reprint the book or do it over, is I would want to put the pictures in color again then to try to save money and all that. It was easier just to keep it in black and white. But... The key thing was Martha Lane Collins was a governor and a leader. So what I was trying to do was to give a book to children about the the kind of things that you're doing as a child that maybe would be helpful to you later on if you if you were a leader. Mm -hmm. So every chapter in there has to do with some characteristic of a leader that she things that she showed that she was doing when she was much younger did you get to talk to martha lane collins before the book um i mean she's on the back cover right. uh you know and i'm assuming that you did 
but was there uh, some of these are sort of funny stories in that sh- they didn't work out quite the way that she was anticipating no. um, she digs a giant hole in the ground because they want to have a swimming pool right. and it turns out that that's not the best way to have a swimming pool right so you know it's a little bit embarrassing yeah how did uh, how, what was your relationship like working with somebody that you're basing a story on she was very good and first off she was flattered that I wanted to do it and then I realized uh, that as a busy person, she was traveling around quite a bit. I asked her if I could just ride with her some in the car, and then I could interview her while she was driving because I hated to take a lot of her time when she was so busy. And one thing about riding around like that, she was relaxed enough to to uh, be very easy to interview. But the key thing that I found out was that she didn't remember a lot of things about her childhood. She has such a rich adult life. And one day she said, you're just going to have to ask my mother these things. So I went to see her mother, and her mother is the one that gave me the lion's share of those stories. Okay. Uh, the uncredited mother, uh, on, on the, the uncredited author on that. It's dedicated to her, though. So. Okay. Oh, I wondered who that was. As yeah. I, I sort of thought that was in the beginning. Then you've got the 11 different chapters of different uh, things that have happened, sort of episodic uh, right. going through. Were there things that you had put in and then that they were, you had to take out later? Were there, uh, what kind of access did you have when you wrote the stories? Well, first I, I had the mentor, and, mm-hmm. and we suffered through that, and my feelings, you know, made that. Then I field tested it on the librarians, like I was talking about, and after that I took it to kids to see how they would go for it. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the people that I saw before I took it to the kids was reading the chapter about uh, her dog Spanky getting hit by a car, <laughs> and the person didn't like the way I had just gone right into the fact that the dog had died, and uh, she said, "You got to ease this." out for the children they can't they got to let him struggle he's he's got to live a little while so i reworked it to to let the dog die slowly slowly <laughs> because she felt like that was just too abrupt for children so this is this is what you do and you, you you keep field testing and a lot of people i think try to skip that part of it but and, and i did the same thing with the the screening test or anything i do i i try it out on people that i know care about whatever it is that i'm that I'm writing. And the children, uh, these are all stories set in a farm. And I took it to some kids out in California who were more city oriented and and certainly non-farm oriented. And they were totally enchanted by farm stories and animal stories. Mm -hmm. And a couple of kids asked if it was really real because they're so used to now uh, science fiction or um, animals that come to life and that kind of thing. So some of these stories... They just didn't know whether they really, she really did that or not. So that was pretty interesting. I can see them putting it into the same sort of category as something, a little house on the prairie. Right. Where it's so remote and different uh, to be on a farm and to have animals and to watch all of the, the, the different things, like that, or be in the country, rather. Um, I will mention one other thing is when I was talking to the librarians, they were very supportive about a biography about uh, a woman saying that for every one book that's written about a woman, there are at least 20 about a man. So 
they were encouraging me if I did additional books that I try to keep this focus on women. Okay. So have you thought about doing additional books? Is that something in the future? And if so, what do you have in mind? This was to be one in a series. As an educational psychologist, I became very interested in the Gardner's seven intelligences. I think he's got oh, right. nine now. Mm-hmm. So I was going to do a book on each of the intelligences, but thinking about the parents who don't really have that many resources to nurture uh, their child's talents outside the school. So I was hoping that I could identify some things that kids were doing in their early years that may indicate what their likely strengths were going to be later on. So. I was going to have the little girl who grew up to be a musician, uh, an athlete, or a dancer, or a scientist, or a mathematician, but I got stalled after this one. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, maybe that's the next project then, right. after, after all the other things that you're working if with. The, if the idea still holds up, that's a part of it. When you, you get an idea, it's probably relevant to then. But whether or not it's going to hold up over time mm-hmm. is another part. And with Gardner, as you said, going from seven to nine, you know, continue to expand the intelligences. It just makes more and more work for you to have to follow up on the series. That's you know, right. So, <laughs> so you know, uh, if we switch over to the Ohio Anna Book Festival, um, that's something you've been involved with for a while. Uh, you said in Over the Back Fence, the Ohio Anna Journal, the Ohio Anna Book Festival is a welcome reminder of the powerful friend We have in generous authors who gift us with a well-written book. And I'd like to talk to you about that, about some of the authors that have had a big influence on you, Uh, whether they're Ohio authors or other authors, just what kind of uh, books that you're interested in or the authors that you really remember from having read them previously. As a professional in educational psychology, working and being concerned about people and knowing that it's just almost impossible to be able to ever predict people totally. I just have endless, uh, and I guess I'm a, a, what you call a lifelong learner, so I'm always reading especially nonfiction books that have to do with understanding people and the things that, that matter and how they function so that we can do a better job of, of nurturing and supporting in ways that are important to individuals when we try to lump people into categories and groups. But if you're really going to make a difference, you have to see them as individuals. So uh, I like books that are professional books like that. Every now and then I will um, read a novel, but not very often. You're listening to Writer's Talk on WCRS, Columbus's only community radio station. Writer's Talk is a production of the Center for the Study and Teaching of Writing at The Ohio State University. Our guest is Ohio First Lady Frances Strickland, an author and supporter of the Ohio Anna Library and the Ohio Anna Book Festival. You can see Mrs. Strickland in person this Saturday, May 8th, at The Ohio Anna Book Festival, which runs from 10 a.m. until 4.30 p.m. Details are online now at ohioannabookfestival.org or by calling 614-466-3831. You'll not only be able to see Mrs. Strickland, but former Writer's Talk guests like James Robinault, Andrew Hudgens, Tim Crowell, Lucy Snyder, and Gary Brownback. So come out to support Ohio writers and writing this Saturday. And now, back to our interview with First Lady Frances Strickland. What kind of the professional books that you've got... um, 
what kind of influence do you feel like they've exerted on you? Uh, what kind of, you talked about Gardner as somebody that you're particularly interested in. Are there other people like that whose ideas have really shaped where you go in your writing or in your, in your various interests? Are there other people that uh, you might call out and say, you know, this particular writer is really somebody I, I admire or follow? Or is it just like a journal-based thing where you're going to be reading um, educational journals that then you can, the, that sometimes, I mean, I've written educational articles and I always felt sort of anonymous. You know? yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. there's that idea and it's, you know, passes into whatever uh, people make of it. But the, When I was in school, there was a professor from Harvard by the name of Jerome Kagan. I liked everything that he, he wrote about kids. Mm-hmm. And some of it was because they were, it was very research Based and he had a, a humility about him, mm-hmm. so that he would put out what was the best of what he knew. But then his next book, he may see that he's got more information and he might change his mind. And I think that's one of the things I like in an author is are those that will put out what they believe, but there you also get a sense of of the humility and they write in a nuancing way to where it's not black and white for them. Mm-hmm. But that they, this is the best of what they know right now, but you get a sense that they know it could change tomorrow as we learn new things. And I find any writer that doesn't go to, it is this way, it is black or it is white, is a much more to my liking than the definitive types. You know, that, that's interesting because what you're bringing up there is the ability to do revision. Uh, and as you said when writing this book, you had to, you were, it was suggested to you. To revise right. certain things, and I'm curious about your your feelings on revision. How many times did you go through this book to do revisions uh, before it saw the light? And did you, if you were to revise it now, besides color, what do you think you would add to it? What what do you know now that's different about this one? This is from 1991, so clearly there's many things different, such as you're being, I think, a lot more familiar with state government, perhaps. Right. So what, what would be your revisions now to this, or what would you like to see in another book? I was fairly happy with that one because I geared it to younger people. I think in terms of leadership, I have become uh, more studious of the kind of courage it takes mm-hmm. when there's so many difference of, differences of opinions that people really get upset with you and as we're seeing now with people talking more and more about civility more and more about uh, bullying and that kind of thing that to be a leader takes a lot of courage and that you have to be true to yourself and authentic so that part of it I'm not sure if I could build that into a children's book very Mm -hmm. well I did put there is a part in there about courage you know when she gets caught in the uh, corn crib and the hogs are there, but uh, and so I tried to. I knew that that was a characteristic before, but I would really, in terms of that, I I think I would leave it pretty much where it is because I want to go ahead and carry out the rest of the series. And um, okay, tell me about um, just in general senses. The, the uh, I'd like to talk about. Ohio writers in a general sense of what 
the ways that they can be encouraged, uh, not just through things like the Ohio Anna Book Festival, but are there other things that you're in, uh, involved in that uh, help to promote them? And uh, how do you suggest best doing that, especially for, say, children, since that's your background? What's a good way to get them to do reading and to bring them into areas that they're going to learn from? Well, I like the fact that we have things like this festival where young people and and others that are interested in writing can go and talk to those who are really, I hate to use the word expert at it, but who have dedicated themselves to finding out how to truly communicate with other people. I think with the easy access to the computer and self-publishing and these other things that people tend to think that it's easier than it really is. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you said you're writing, you know that there comes a point when you're in about the middle of it, if that far, you begin to think, this is the dumbest thing I've ever tried to do. It's usually at the beginning. At the beginning. Right, and then, then it goes downhill from there. But that's just me as a writer and my feelings towards writing. That's why I do the show. But anyway, yeah. so yeah, there's all that kind of... And you, and you think, nobody's going to read this. I, I, I'm going to, I should just stop. But then you realize it's not just about who you're writing for, but it's because of something in you that wants it there. So if you can, if it's something in you, then it's something real. And you want somebody then that knows how to help you get that out of you. That's why, like I said, I'm really proud of the Ohio Anna Library in in an inexpensive way. They have made it possible for those who really want to communicate this way to go and, and connect with those who respect what they're trying to do. And I'm not sure that any of the people that will be coming there as presenters are in the mentoring business. I might mention that to see mm-hmm. uh, so that they, the people could go away, as I did from the writing conference that I went to, with some cards of people mm-hmm. that I could possibly contact and pay so much to help me get through these <laughs> times where I feel like I want to just quit and it's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. I think that there are. I mean, some of the people that I know that are there do various kinds of things like that. And some of them also, you know, like Andrew Hudgens, teach at Ohio State, right. plug for Ohio State. So people can go there and uh, work with that. Um, what's on your nightstand right now? You had talked about some of the, uh, ac- uh, I think, more academic books. But what kind of books uh, are, are just sitting right there? We had talked at, before we started about you've got a stack of books right. that you've been given. What uh, can you can you give me a sense of the kinds of uh, texts that are in the the governor's mansion? Okay, <laughs> well, there's a very uh, broad mixture. The one I'm in the middle of right now, well, there are two I'm in the middle of. One is uh, whiskey, cigars, and something about general. I've forgotten what the third thing is, but it's about General Grant and the portions taken from his diary, and uh, they are lessons on leadership. So. Mm-hmm. You have a little pay, half a page about something that happened and how he wrote it out in his diary. And then you've got a little lesson at the bottom of the page, kind of like what I did mm-hmm. there. And it's inspiring to see that he made lots of mistakes during the war. And that was part of the po- uh, point of this book is that we look back and he's great. He saved the Union Army and, and probably had more to do than anybody with the victory there. But uh, he's very clear about all the mistakes he made and how he tried to learn from them. Also, The Caring Society, which is an older book, is uh, 
on my, uh, I've, uh, in the middle of that. Rarely do I start another book before I finish one, but these two I've kind of got going at the same time. And it is going back and telling us what the Depression was like and uh, how they dealt with it. So I'm looking at how uh, Franklin Roosevelt and some of the other leaders at that time dealt with these these difficult times. Sounds like a big history interest that uh, that you're going for. Not necessarily like an educational psychology interest is sort of how I had thought about it at the beginning, but you've got a, a strong interest in history. Well, and the educational psychology side of me cares about how this economic downturn is impacting people. I'm the chair of the Family and Children First Council, and it's one thing to go out and say, we can get through this. Mm-hmm. But when you go out and say, in Roosevelt's time, they dealt with it, and they didn't have some of the things built in that we do. But this is what they did, and and so a lot of the same ideas are coming back up again, and it helps people see what some of the options are, and I think people always do better when they have options than when they think that they are in a desperate situation. Okay. We had mentioned earlier being um, that the Internet and the ease of writing on a computer tends to make people think that writing is easier. Yeah. And I'm curious about your take on, how, are there other areas on, are there Internet websites that you're particularly fond of, uh, not political, but are there th- things that you are invested in uh, in sort of a, a social media sense or a, a, a sense that's different from the way that you had started out in print media and uh, what those things are for your background? There might be if I was into writing a book right now, mm-hmm. but I, like, I still like books. I, I, okay. And um, I'm one of these terrible people who underlines and then I go back and type up what I underlined and put them in a notebook as, uh, as my own personal cliff notes because mm-hmm. I think they're really important lessons and it's hard to hold on to them. So sometimes when I get ready to make a talk or something and I can remember a book that I thought had some, something inspiring, then I just go back to my little cliff notes. And so you've gone back. How far do you go back on that? What's the furthest you've gone back and said, I don't even remember this book. My <laughs> yeah. wife is reading a book last night, and I know that we've both read it, and I couldn't remember a thing from yeah. it other than the vague outline. Yeah. Well, I have about two or three years' worth of those, and I also share them with other cabinet directors when I know it's a book that would help them because they don't have a whole lot of time to mm-hmm. read. But as you can see, I just really think books are people's best friends. I mean, you don't always have the opportunity to have a good conversation with somebody about something of interest. A book just allows you to do that. So I, I just think that that those full explanations that you get from books are better than than some of the things that people are going in the shortcut ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Well, and you're going to be at the Ohio Anna Book Festival this year, I think. Right. Uh, and you'll be uh, presenting some of the awards, if I'm remembering correctly. You'll I be... love that. And especially those young people that get awards, they do uh, thesis or little stories. Pick, uh, and uh, I love the fact that they're being reinforced. You can tell when they've gotten the award, they know right there they're going to be a writer. <laughs> They have that curse cast upon them That's at a young exactly age. Right. They've yeah. been dubbed. <laughs> I, I believe uh, I, I had some things like that. Didn't really work out. But yeah. oh, anyway, 
Um, well, I want to thank you very much for coming to talk to us today. And uh, the book is actually sort of uh, hard to get, but we were able to get it. And uh, it, it will hopefully at some point will be part of a series after this, as you said. And uh, so maybe there'll be, uh, I know that you want to go with uh, women leaders, but you might know someone who said the little boy you grew up to be governor, there might be a story in that one. Yeah. You know, I don't know. You'd have to be able to get access to the, the governor and talk to him about that. But again... They had to get him to trust me. <laughs> uh, okay, so to find out whether he had dug holes in the yard trying That's to make right. a swimming pool uh, or things along those lines. You've been listening to Writer's Talk on WCRS, Columbus's only community radio station. My guest was First Lady Frances Strickland, an author and supporter of the Ohioana Library and the Ohioana Book Festival. Mrs. Strickland will be appearing at the Ohioana Book Festival this Saturday, which runs from 10 a.m. until 4.30 p.m. Details are now available online at www.ohioanabookfestival.org, or you can call 614-466-3831. Not only will Mrs. Strickland be there, but former Writers Talk guests will be there as well. So come out and support Ohio Writers and Writing this weekend. You'll even see yours truly at the Ohio Anna Book Festival this weekend as I'll be talking to people and getting their input on writing and writers. So come on out and see us. There's another Writers Talk guest in town this weekend at Mustard's Retreat at the Central Ohio Folk Festival, which is happening Friday and Saturday at Patel Darby Creek Metro Park Indian Ridge area. Check out cfms-inc.org for more information. And we'll end with a little bit of Mustard's Retreat and their Writers Talk in-studio performance. From the Center for the Study and Teaching of Writing at The Ohio State University, this is Doug Dangler saying... Keep writing. He said, I would never do it. He said, I'll go get reinforcements, teach those bugs that they are too. He went down to Texas, brought back some killer bees, to try to start an insect war beneath the northern trees. Oh, Paul Bunyan, see what have you done? When you mess with Mother Nature, she comes back to have some fun. Oh, Paul Bunyan, see what have you done? These Michigan mosquitoes.